Hello, my name's Austin. And I'm Rhea. And you're listening to GCB Bioenergy's Issue Roundup podcast. Global Change Biology Bioenergy is a bi-monthly journal that focuses on the production of biofuels through plants, algae, and waste. It also places special emphasis on how bioenergy systems help to mitigate global change. For more information, visit our website at gcbbioenergy.org. In this month's podcast, we'll be highlighting three studies in the February issue. The first study looks at the genetic diversity, or lack thereof, of the popular bioenergy crop Miscanthus giganteus. During a period in the 1970s, rainfall was uncharacteristically low in North America. Drought hit the land, and none of the corn genotypes the U.S. was farming were drought tolerant. Researchers were eventually able to find a genotype of mice in Mexico that was. They crossbred it with the U.S. corn instilling the drought-resistant capability into them, but not until the U.S. had lost up to 50% of its corn harvest. Corn has close to 20,000 different accessions, meaning there are 20,000 genetically different types of corn. So when a condition like a drought or a disease affects one of those, researchers can look back in the archives and find a resistance in one of the other 19,000 or so. Recent literature limits Miscanthus giganteus to six legacy cultivar genotypes. Lead author Eric Sachs and his team set out to assess that number, as recent studies have been conflicted about actual genetic diversity. Using advanced genetic techniques, they refuted the six genotypes, stating that the sampled Miscanthus giganteus stands in North America, from ornamental gardens to fields, are clones originating from one parent plant. The authors also assessed eight new crosses from seed. In contrast to the legacy cultivars, they determined that all eight types were genetically unique from each other. New crosses can provide the much-needed genetic variation in Miscanthus giganteus. Our second study looks at palm oil, a rapidly expanding crop in the tropics, and the potential consequences of this expansion on the global carbon cycle. Palm oil is a cooking ingredient in many parts of the world, as well as a bioenergy feedstock already being used to fly planes and fuel cars. The palm trees are highly productive, encouraging interest in further oil use. But there's a catch. The places it grows, like Indonesia and Africa, have very large forests that are being plowed to make room for more palm oil farms. These areas are responsible for storing 36 to 60% of Earth's carbon, and currently, 400,000 hectares a year are being converted to these farms. Lead author Ian Goodrick and his team looked at the different ecosystems in palm oil's regions, and it's not just forests. There are some grasslands in there as well. The team wanted to know whether grasslands that were converted to palm oil would hold more carbon than forests that were converted to palm oil. The team looked at a collection of plantations in a grassland area in Papua New Guinea that have been there for about 25 years. The plantation still retained some grassland, but had converted much of the grassland to palm oil in years prior. What they found was that the amount of carbon stored by the soil on most of these palm oil plots was actually higher than in the adjacent grasslands. 
This information was previously unknown and fills a gap in knowledge regarding carbon dynamics and palm oil plantations. Our last paper looks at corn harvest leftovers and the pros and cons of using them for bioenergy. When corn is harvested, the stems, leaves, and roots are left on the field. Most farmers till some of the leftovers into the soil and leave some as cover. The idea is that they want to protect the soil from erosion during the wet months in fall and winter. And they also want the leftovers to decompose on the soil to give back some of the nutrients the corn took from it during the growing season. It is believed that there may be more corn stover left on the field than is needed to accomplish these goals. So lead author Humberto Blanco Canqui and his team looked at the results of removing different percentages of stover over a three-year study on rain-fed and irrigated cornfields. They found that in areas where rainfall may be intense, soil erosion was significantly higher when more than half of the stover was removed. Less than half kept soil loss low, however. The authors end by concluding more research must be done on the long-term effects of stover removal, as this would help confirm the results of this study. With more research on different types of soils, and for different lengths of times, researchers can fully understand the effects stover removal will have, helping to find the ideal point that balances bioenergy productivity and soil quality. Thank you for tuning in. Join us for our next podcast, where we will continue to explore exciting findings that deal with bioenergy. Go to our website at gcbbioenergy.org to learn more. And with that, I'm Rhea. And I'm Austin. And we'll see you next time.